want to look at Abraham here this morning, this evening. Morning, evening, wherever you are in the world, I guess. Uh, Abraham was a man of faith. He was one who left a legacy of faith that we are still benefiting from today. Before I get started, I want to say um, last Wednesday was a great blessing to have five guys, not five guys, burgers and fries, okay? Five guys, preachers, and whatever. I don't know what to call them, but the, the, the five guys did a great job. They were a, a huge blessing to me personally. Be praying for them. Uh, some of them are already back in school. Some will be back to school shortly. Of course, Omar is here and working with the Spanish ministry, but what a blessing it was to have them preach and just to see God continuing to use young people for uh, the, the proclamation of the word. A week before that, I preached a message on how to uh, basically uh, know what is right for me, coming to certain standards, and uh, I, I gave us some principles, how to find God's will for our life, and, and uh, certain tests we can take. Uh, does it edify? Does it, does it build up? Um, is it expedient? And is it lawful? And we went through those passages and so forth. But I want to say something. I... I, I, I wish I had not given the illustrations at the end that I gave. If you were here, you know what I'm talking about. If you weren't here, don't worry about it. Um, I, I feel like the message, it was a good message, it was a biblical message, but then at the end with the illustrations, it, it was offensive, and offensive to some. So I just want to apologize to you folks. I, I do not want folks to come to church and be offended unless I'm purposely trying to offend you, okay? <laughs> there are times where the gospel is an offense, there are times where things from the Word of God, it's going to cut against the grain, and I'm unapologetic for that. If I'm preaching the Word and the Gospel offends, I'll try to do so as kindly as I can, but I am not ever wanting to just inadvertently offend. And so there was offense uh, taken two weeks ago. I have spoken to some of those individuals and had some great talks and been able to apologize, uh, but they were unnecessary illustrations that really did not help and so I have learned I need to be more careful with, uh, with those and make sure that everything that is done from the pulpit is helping to move the truth of the God's Word forward in the most effective uh, fashion. So thank you for bearing with me in that regard. I know what it's like to bring folks to church and wonder what in the world the pastor is going to say. And, uh, you know, is it going to be okay? I want to have the trust of the congregation. I want you to know that, uh, that what comes from the pulpit will be helpful and edifying and biblical. And, and uh, ironically, the message was talking about that very thing. And then my, my illustration took it, 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 a, a left turn. So anyway, I wanted to make sure I, I got that in. Last week, didn't have a chance to because we had five other guys preaching. And uh, they did good, by the way. No, no uh, left turn illustrations. So uh, with that said, thank you for bearing with me on that. And we'll go to Hebrews 11 or Genesis 18. We'll, we'll be in both places. We'll start uh, with Hebrews 11. And look at Abraham and his legacy of faith. He was a man like any other man. He was not half deity. There's only one Emmanuel. Abraham was just any other man, but what God did through this man should encourage us all. 
What set Abraham apart is the fact that he believed God. That's it. He had a firm faith in the Lord. And my prayer is that I would leave a legacy of faith. My prayer is that you would leave a legacy of faith. And as we look at Abraham, we see the trickle-down effect of his faith and how greatly his faith spread. Even today, we are still benefiting in so many ways. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. That right there is profound. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't really know what all was coming, but he obeyed. We sing the song in Sunday school, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And it's not just a kid's song. That is, that, that's, that's, that's Abraham. What set him apart was the fact that he had simple faith. He didn't have to have God spell everything out and then, okay, I'll move forward carefully. He just knew his God was for him and it was going to be okay. You can trust the Lord. You can go forward and you can obey. Uh, I don't know about you. I have a hard time going out, not knowing where I'm going. I don't like that at all. But faith is not always comfortable. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as sand which is by the seashore innumerable. There's humor in the Bible. I see it right there. How old was Abraham? Uh, he was as good as dead. <laughs> you know, uh, there might be some folks in here, you're, 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 you're getting up there in years, but um, you're not that old because we don't call you as good as dead. But that's what it says. It says, uh, even him as good as dead, so many sprung up as like, like the stars in multitude and the sand of the seashore. I also want to get to Romans. So let's do that before we get to Genesis. Romans also talks about um, Abraham, and uh, that's verse 1 of chapter 4. What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And then down to verse 13. The Bible says, for the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of none effect, because the law worketh wrath. For where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end of the promise that uh, to the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, 
but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And in a sense, we still look to him, like we sing in Sunday school, as Father Abraham, okay? We're not going to sing that song if you know it. That it's got too much cardio in that song. Uh, but he is a spiritual father of us all. You see how Abraham in the book of Romans is used to help uh, have this whole sermon on faith from Romans chapter 4. That's what he's known for, this man of faith. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him who, whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able to perform. Now this is Paul writing to the Romans, speaking of what happened in Genesis 18. So you can go over to Genesis 18. I did not put Genesis 18 on the screen because I really want to maybe bounce around in that chapter and also in chapter 19. So you can just have that open if you've got that. Um, but it's interesting to me how in Scripture, Abraham comes up a lot. He comes up in Romans, comes up in James, uh, also in Hebrews. And he is, if, if you never read the Old Testament and all you read about Abraham was the New Testament you would have a, a, a picture of Abraham as though he never, ever had any hint of doubt or unbelief. But we know that there is this guy named Ishmael. And we know about Hagar. And that was a little bit of a deviation from God's plan. All right? Now, it's encouraging to me that even though Abraham had this moment of self-reliance, maybe shall we say a moment of fear, of doubt, of unbelief, or whatever. Maybe he thought he was helping God out. I don't know. But if you know the story, he gets the promise that you're going to have a son, and then the son never comes. And they were already old when they got the promise. Remember, he's basically dead, but Hebrews said, the guy's basically dead, and uh, uh, his wife is old and everything, and, and, and it takes years before Isaac actually does come, and so maybe with all the best of intentions, he's like, I'm not getting any younger, and neither is she, and we're going to have to figure this thing out, and so Sarah uh, offers her maid Hagar to Abraham and boy, that complicates family dynamics. Probably not the best idea there. He did not display good leadership. He displayed uh, peacemakership, which we need peacemakers, but sometimes, men, you do need to lead your home even if it rocks the boat a bit and trust God to help you make peace. Uh, but anyway, for whatever reason, he went 
and took Hagar, and Ishmael is born. And in a sense, God still, he didn't honor his promise through Ishmael, but he still blessed Ishmael, and a great nation came of that relationship. But there was great hardship that came as a result of that relationship. And God said, basically, to Abraham, I don't need your help coming through on my promise. And Abraham, really, his life is, is remarkable. There's so much we can learn from his life and so much we can glean. And one of the things that we can glean is that uh, we do not need to lean on the arm of the flesh to accomplish the promises of God. We need to lean on him and lean into him and keep trusting and keep praying and keep waiting and not let anything dim our faith when we know that God has spoken. We have to rely on him. But having said all that, that really isn't my message. Having said all that, it's an encouragement to me that that is not the theme of Abraham's life as the New Testament relates it. As the New Testament relates it, yes, you know, the, the, it does come up. But on the whole, on the whole, you have the, uh, the historical account that he was a man of faith. How should I encourage you and me? Well, you ever been self-reliant? You ever doubted God? You ever started out? And then, nope, maybe not. Let's go over this way. Let's try it another way. This feels more comfortable. I, I've got more control. We love to have control. All of us are control freaks to some extent or another. And, and yet to think that he still ended up in the hall of faith, Hebrews 11, he still ended up with this account and being not weak in faith. He considered not his own body now dead. When he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. That is the legacy that Abraham had. Notwithstanding some weakness of his human flesh, so the bottom line is, he never took his eyes off of the Lord. And there was a faltering there with Hagar, but he still was looking to God to do what he had promised to do. Now, when we talk about faith here with Abraham, in this story in Genesis 18 and 19, you've got several characters that come up. You've got Abraham, and then you have, as my Bible puts it in the margin, Abraham's heavenly visitors. And they come with some messages for him and for Sarah. And the first few verses, the Bible says, The Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre and sat in the tent in the heat of the day. And, uh, you know, I'm not exactly sure how all this went down, but we, it seems like we have, at least we have angels but I would say we have angels and uh, a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. There are times where Jesus definitely showed himself in the Old Testament. He's referred to as the Lord. 
and, uh, and, and, and Abraham speaking with the Lord. But Abraham knows something's up. He knows these guys are different, and so he runs to make food. And this was fast food. This is the way they do fast food. He goes and he gets, uh, he tells Sarah to make some bread. And then he tells the other guy, he grabs a, a calf and says, here, serve this thing, dress it. I mean, I'm reading this, I'm like, wow, this is a different day. <laughs> you know, how long does it take to make bread? How long does it take to dress an animal? And, uh, but they did it quickly. And as soon as they had it done, he, he hastened to the tent and uh, you get butter and milk and the calf. And he set it before them under the tree. They ate. And then here comes the promise. The promise comes and they tell him, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life, verse 10. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now again we hear that they're old and well stricken in age and it ceased to be with them after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, I'm waxed old. Shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And then she's called out for that. The angel says, why? Or the Lord says, why did she laugh? And uh, the answer comes back, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. It's a tremendous, tremendous answer to anything that causes us to doubt the Lord. Any moment of unbelief, any time where we go, ha, 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 that'll be the day. Oh, yeah, he's not going to get saved, or he'll never change, or this will never work. Ha, ha, is anything too hard for the Lord? I think sometimes God allows these impossible people in our lives and impossible situations in our lives just so we can see there's nothing too hard for the Lord. He wants to build our faith. So they have this account. Sarah denies it. I didn't laugh. Okay, now you're just added insult to injury here. Now you're a laugher and a liar. You know, we've all done that too. And the answer comes back, you did laugh. Okay, got me. Well then, it's interesting in this passage, uh, we get introduced to a few more characters. You have these heavenly visitors, you have Abraham, Sarah, and now we're going to introduce Lot and his family and Sodom. And in this story, I, wanna, I want us to, to kind of see here the trickle-down effect of faith. <clears throat> You've got Abraham's faith, and he wavers later, at this point, he hasn't wavered yet. And, and it, the Bible says he wavered not. So maybe he was referring to this portion he didn't waver. The Hagar thing certainly seems as though he got off a little bit. But nonetheless, you've got Abraham's faith. He does not argue in chapter 18. He does not argue. It's like, okay, we're doing this. Then you have Sarah's faith. By the way, Sarah made it to the hall of faith too. Laughter and all. <laughs> Laughing, lying, and in the hall of faith. That's the grace and mercy of God. That is the mercy of God. See, I think what we need to remember about faith is faith still comes through humans. 
And God honors faith where he finds it, and he does find faith in sinful, weak vessels. And so praise God for how he honors faith and the fact that Sarah made it to the hall of faith, and you look at who else is in there. These weren't perfect people. These were sinful people, weak but trusting God. Sarah came through. She came through and trusted God. All right. We also have Lot, and we have his family. You get into the end of the, of, the ver, of the chapter, and now these men, their attention has turned. They're no longer there to eat cake and talk about kids. They're now here to talk about Sodom and Gomorrah, and they start looking towards Sodom. And Abraham realizes very quickly, uh-oh, these guys mean business. They said, we're going to go see Sodom. They turned their faces thence. Verse 22. Uh, they, uh, verse 21. It says, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is coming to me. And if not, I will know. In other words, I'm going to go down to Sodom and see if it's as bad as it sounds. I've done that with my kids. You hear this tumult. I'm coming down there. And if it's like it sounds like it is, it's going to be bad. You get down there, and in the meantime, with every step down the stairs, there's the scurrying. It's amazing what can happen on 16 steps, you know? So this is mercy of God. You know, God doesn't have to come down and see what's going on. He knows what's going on. So what was this? It was, it was God's mercy to Abraham and Lot to give them time. Time for what? Time for Abraham to pray and time for Lot to get out of town. Isn't God good? So they leave, they leave, they leave Abraham behind and Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be fifty righteous. Wilt thou destroy not Wilt thou also destroy and spare the place for the 50 righteous that are therein? You're going to kill the 50 righteous along with all the, all the wicked? The Lord says, no, if I find 50, I won't do it. And you know the passage. He continues to intercede. Abraham was an intercessor. He is right now begging for the lives of his flesh and blood. And he... I think it's funny how he's so timid. Okay, Lord, don't hurt me. I'm just going to pray once more. Isn't that how we pray sometimes? We forget like God wants to hear. God, he's not going to bonk us on the head because we prayed too much. But Abraham is so timid and kind and so forth. And uh, if I found, uh, you know, uh, grace in your sight, let me ask again. Peradventure, there's the lack of five of the 50. And he keeps asking and he finally gets down to 10. And the Lord, he says, oh, let the Lord not be angry, but I will speak yet this once. Folks, God's not going to be angry if you speak one more time or a hundred more times. This is the whole reason why Abraham was tipped off. God wanted him to intercede. And so he prays, what about if there's 10? And the answer comes back, I will not destroy it for 10's sake. And the Lord went his way. And Abraham returned to his place. And then they go and they visit Lot. 
couple things about Abraham. Let's work our way through this. Abraham, <clears throat> again, I mentioned no record of his doubting the promise of God. He never doubted the promise. He, he started to get a little self-dependent in how he got there, but he never doubted the promise. That's key. He, uh, he, he also, because of his faith, was a man that believed in intercession. He intercedes for Lot and his family. Now, you could argue that his faith ran out. His faith fizzled because he got all the way down to 10 and stopped. But I don't see it that way. I would argue that it wasn't unbelief that caused him to stop at 10. I would argue rather that it was his good opinion of Lot, his faith in Lot, that Lot, after all this time, had at least 10. You know, what you been doing this whole time, pal? I mean, you've got your wife and you, two daughters that weren't married, a couple daughters at least that were married, and they, of course, there's a couple of husbands, you know, we're almost a 10 right there. Uh, I don't think that it was Abraham's unbelief that caused him to stop at 10. I think he probably thought, I'm sure we're good at this point. I mean, 10, come on, 10. But unfortunately, Lot had not gotten there. And Abraham's faith had a trickle-down effect. Several people down the line from Abraham were blessed. His wife was blessed through her laughing and her lying about it and her doubting God. Um, I believe his faith helped encourage her faith. Boy, it's, it's good to have each other. It's great to have a brother or sister in Christ whose faith will strengthen mine. When I just am grinding to a halt and throwing up my hand, someone says, hey, no, 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 no. God's got this. And uh, in he here, we have a husband and a wife. And uh, I hope that we have marriages here where one is able to help the other. Sometimes it's Sarah that needs the help. Sometimes it's Abraham that needs the help. Uh, I'm speaking, you know, of, of us now. But, oh, I trust that our, our faith would have that trickle-down effect to others. His faith, ultimately, as I already mentioned, trickles down to us today. Sarah is the next person that is impacted. The Bible says, through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Praise God. God does not stick it to us for every human display of weakness. But ultimately, faith is not just a moment, it is moments. God wants to see how we get through this whole journey. And she got through it okay. And Abraham got through it okay. They both judged God to be faithful to his promise. I believe, no doubt, Abraham's response to the messengers that day helped bolster his wife's faith. So Abraham has, by my view, has the strongest faith so far. Then you got Sarah, and she's emboldened by his faith, but she laughed, but, you know, she comes through. Then you have Lot, and he was also a recipient and blessed by Abraham's faith. He traveled with him. He lived with him. Uh, it seems, from what we understand, that Abraham became a father figure to Lot. 
We believe Lot's parents were probably died early or premature, whatever. And Abraham stepped in and became the father figure. It's pretty obvious that's the case. When, when Lot gets in trouble, who comes after him? Uncle Abraham comes and you know, take, take care of his, his boy. Um, so a lot had been imparted to Lot. I should say much. Much had been imparted to Lot from Abraham. But not enough for Lot to impart it to another. Faith has a shelf life, and faith will travel, but faith also needs to find root if it's going to continue to multiply. Lot had enough faith to remain a God-fearing believer. Second Peter tells us, he was, he was just Lot, just or righteous Lot is how he's referred to. Second Peter also says that he vexed his righteous soul from day to day with the ungodly deeds that he was uh, bombarded by. So Lot received this trickle-down effect, if you will, of Abraham's faith, enough faith to hold his feet to the fire. He was a God-fearing believer. He was saved. He was vexed by the wickedness of the, of the ungodly, but his faith was not effectively transferred to his family. His, his married daughters died with their husbands in Sodom. And that is so, so tragic. You get to chapter 19, and the evil men of Sodom come and, and uh, knock on the door or about break the door down. And they say, I pray you, uh, no, no, I'm sorry. Um, they called out and said, where are the men which came unto thee this night? Bring them out to us that we may know them. Uh, this was a wicked thing. These were wicked men. This was a wicked city. They're going to sexually assault these visitors of Lot. Lot prays with them not to do so wickedly and then offers to them the unthinkable. He offers to them his own daughters. And obviously, this is not a moment of faith. This is a moment of faithlessness. God could have delivered another way. This was the only human way. And culturally, when they would bring people under their roof, just culturally, they would, they would give their life for that guest. Lot took that very seriously, but he did not take seriously enough his own family. I wonder if his daughters never forgave him for that. They did not get taken. They, they were rescued by the, the, uh, the angels. And the angels, the Bible says in verse 11, they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so they wearied themselves to find the door. Now that's always interested me. They were so intent on doing their deed that even after they're blind, they were still feeling for the door. That is unreal. I think I'd be feeling for the sidewalk, uh, feeling for my phone. Can I call a doctor? Uh, can someone type in the number for me? We gotta, we gotta, we, we're done here. But these guys were bound and determined to do this. So he loses th those girls' respect. He then goes to talk to his, the rest of his family and he says, up, oh, get you out of this place, verse 14, for the Lord will destroy the city. 
but he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. He was not, his faith was not uh, convincing enough. It seemed like he was mocking. He lost his family, and ultimately he, he doesn't even have enough faith to flee. He has enough faith to prepare to flee, but not enough faith to actually leave. And if he had not been physically removed by the angels, he never would have got out of there. So here's someone who had faith, and he is recorded in the Scripture as being just and righteous, righteous lot, but not enough faith to impact others. And then the final characters we've already alluded to are his family. He lost his wife. He had enough faith to help her come with him and the, and the angels. But there was not enough for her to keep going forward. She turns around and her heart goes back and she dies. Of course, he already lost the married daughters and sons-in-law. He, he loses everything, he thinks, and loses his faith again. And what does he do when Sodom and Gomorrah has been burned up? He drowns his sorrows in drink. And you cannot say, oh, his daughters made him do it. His daughters did offer him the drink, and they had some perverted motives in doing so, but he was ready for it. He just lived through the worst day of his life. And a good drink sounds, sounds about right. Bring it here. And so he drowns his sorrows in drunkenness, and then his daughters, who also are faithless, they've had no example of faith to follow, they conclude that we're the last ones living. And we need to preserve humanity. And the only way to do that, since it's dad and us, is we're going to have to commit incest with our father in order to have children, which they do, and they produce the ungodly nations of Moab and Ammon, who throughout the scriptures are faithless and godless. What a tragedy. Here's what I, I take some, some heart. There's some encouraging things, and there's some, some, uh, some things that, that I guess are exhortation from this. Looking at Abraham and his faith, it is remarkable how, how far out his impact was. And so what a blessing that is. A couple final con- concluding thoughts here before we pray. Your faith can have a generational impact. And it should. It should be real enough. And, and it should be transferable. It should be uh, that which is articulatable. Where you can say, here's what God says, and here's what we believe, and here's why. And we have the completed word of God today. We have no excuse we should be able to make a generational impact, impacting our kids and those around us. Abraham certainly did, and he, he has impacted Christianity today. His faith was transferable. Lot, on the other hand, his faithlessness impacted generations as well. Moab and Ammon, and much unbelief continues to this day. 
We need to pray that God would help us to have a faith that would make a generational impact. Your, your faithful intercession also really does matter. Your faithful intercession really does matter. Think about Abraham, and he's talking to those uh, angels, and he's pleading with the Lord himself, and, and he's thinking, I've got to see my family spared. He's pouring out his heart. You know what? God heard him and answered not the way that Abraham had prayed. He prayed that the, that the fire would not fall. If you find at least 10, just spare the whole city. Well, God didn't find 10, so the fire did fall, but God heard his prayer and God got them out of there. That was an answer to his prayer. And remember, remember what the angel said to Lot. We got to get a move on here because I'm not allowed to do anything to this city until you're out of here. So let's move. Orders came from heaven. You guys have got to get them out. We're holding the fireworks until you're out. Get out. And the angels are trying, and finally the angels have to just move them out. That was in answer to Abraham's prayer. And I believe if Abraham does not pray that, if Abraham does not intercede, if he doesn't have the faith to believe God would do this, I believe Lot goes down with the city. God answers prayer, and your faithful intercession really does matter. I believe that when we get to heaven, one of the things we'll be crying about when God wipes our tears away from our eyes for good, one of the things we'll be crying about is that we'll be crying tears of joy when we figure out how much came to us through the prayers of other people. We'll be overwhelmed by it. That was because my mom prayed? That was because of grandma? That was because of my wife praying for me all these years? My wife was praying for me that whole time? And, wow! I thought I did that. I thought I worked really hard. I thought I was really good. I thought that God really liked me or something. That was just people praying? Yes. Lot did not get spared because he was somebody. He got spared because of prayer. And God reached out and delivered him. Your faithful intercession really does matter. Don't stop praying for that family member. Don't give up. And don't look for a human way to accomplish whatever you're praying for. Abraham had to wait a long time for Isaac that's okay. You can wait, and I can wait as well. But thirdly, your faith directly impacts your family. You see that here. Abraham's faith impacted Sarah. I don't think she gets in the hall of faith without Abraham helping to encourage her faith. And they encouraged each other, I trust. But he impacted Lot. He impacted Lot enough that Lot did not forget who he was when he was there, and he vexed his righteous soul. Don't sell your impact short. Continue to hold the line, because you don't know what's the, what's the consequences if you cave. 
mom, dad, grandpa, grandma, keep trusting God. Your faith is impacting your family. But I also want to say two more things. The faith of another, while immensely helpful, can never take the place of your own. Eventually, you might have someone in your life who's like Abraham and Sarah. They are praying for you, and they are helping you, and they are just on your case in a good way and, and just uh, you, you know, helping in so many ways. You know, there are secondary effects of faith that are good. You ever heard of secondary, no, is it secondary, secondhand smoke? That's what it is, secondhand smoke. Okay, that's bad. Secondhand faith, that's good. And sometimes we get around people who are just oozing faith and we get blessed on their coattails. But eventually it's going to have to take root in your heart. And at this point, I'm speaking to the teenagers and the kids. You don't even have a clue how much in your life right now you're experiencing because of the faith of your parents and grandparents. The faith of mom and dad to give you a, 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 a Christian education at home, at school, at church, and maybe even if you're in the public school, your parents are still giving you Christian values, instilling those things in your heart. The faith of mom and dad to get you to church. The faith of mom and dad to pray you through, to talk things through. And yet so many Christian kids, oh, when I get to be old enough, I'm out of here, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and blah, 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 blah. You don't even realize that everything you have is because of the faith of so many people. Some people you've never even met. You're still being impacted by their faith. The faith of another is immensely helpful, but it cannot take the place of your own. I think Lot's family, Lot's kids, they benefited from Lot's faith, but just not enough to deliver them. Folks, and finally, your faith may not seem like much, but God honors it. Keep trusting. It may not seem like much. Hey, Abraham, he was human. Lot was human. Sarah was human. And they, were, they had weakness, like we all have weakness. But God honors faith. It encourages me when I think about Abraham and the legacy that he left of trusting God. If our kids are going to continue, if we're going to see a lasting impact, We've got to leave a legacy of faith. When a health crisis comes, how do we respond? Let's go to prayer. Let's see what God's going to do. When a financial crisis comes, how do we respond? God's on the throne. God knows exactly what he's doing. Let's see what God wants to do in our lives. And continue to live our life on that faith side. How much blessing in my life is an account of another's faith? But who is my faith touching? And who am I impacting? Let's have a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to look at your word. And I pray that you would help each of us to leave a legacy of faith in our families and wherever we go. Lord, we know that there are many testings that we face, trials and difficulties. Help us to realize that you're not 
You're not being mean to us. You're not uh, trying to hurt us, but you are trying to build our faith and draw us closer to you. I pray, Lord, that we would draw near and trust you thoroughly. In Jesus' name, amen.